0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around.
2: show AJ Perez is a reporter for Front Office Sports and he wrote a very interesting piece about David Tepper we're all trying to figure out you know what why you know such a success in his line of work running hedge fund but man just flailing at the nfl ownership thing well a.j perez writes a piece that theorizes that investors in general struggle as as sports owners because it takes different types of skill sets it's very fascinating and let's talk now to a.j perez front office sports here on the mac and bone show a.j thanks for coming on man how you doing
0: Doing well, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, live out outside DC, and uh, there might be a support group we can like, kind of share between the Panthers
2: and
0: especially over. Everybody loves loves the team now, even though they're they loves the owner now. Uh, the team, not so much, but with four wins. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I covered all the Dan Snyder stuff, so this kind of this, fit, kind this of was uh, this, in my wheelhouse.
2: This feels at home. <laughs> well, uh, and I'm telling you, the most sobering part of your article is when you make the comparison of Tepper to Snyder. And unfortunately, we as Panther fans have to wear that, right? Like it's it it's, it feels justified. But when you sh- when you map out Snyder's winning percentage is 45 percent, and Tepper's is 32 percent. I mean, that's what we're talking about, like 13 percentage points below Daniel Snyder. That's how bad it's been, man. It's rough.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, we look back at the last three owners, new owners, starting with Dana Tepper, hedge fund guy. Then we got the Walton family who bought, uh, or Rob Walton, one of the Walmart heirs, bought the, the Broncos. Then we're back to a finance guy with with Josh Harris. Josh Harris is not, we kind of figured he wouldn't in my sources before he got the team. We're like, he's not gonna make any major changes early. And he, he hasn't, and he's kind of stuck to, you know, cause he's owned two other teams. He's owned the Devils. He's owned the Sixers for many years. So he kind of had, you know, had that mindset going in where you'd make, make rash changes here. If you're not a hockey person, not a basketball person, not an NFL person, don't go meddling in on stuff that you don't know about. He's, you know, Josh Harris has that down. It's really hard for all the owners who want to be like Jerry Jones to do that.
3: So, a, a big part of your article—it's on Twitter. Find the link by AJ Perez. You and Front Office Sports doing tremendous work. I can't recommend following you guys enough. Emailing for the newsletter, Front Office Sports. Uh, you guys are doing tremendous work. And in the article, it's a lot about the difference in David Tepper coming from the investment world versus regular process owners. Explain why, from what you've researched and what you've heard from around the league, the, the investment owners and, and why they struggle a bit when they get to the sports world.
0: Uh, hedge funds, guys, especially because they hedge funds are kind of risky, uh, big risk. These They take bigger risk to make a bigger reward in a short period of time. That's not, you know, and when you when you have that and you and you have, I'm not saying his ego, but when you have someone of, of David Tepper's stature in the business world, or things where he's made over two billion dollars, uh, estimated two billion dollars in net worth, you just kind of a some people, and I'm not saying David Tepper, but a lot of rich other owners kind of assume that I'm good at this, I'll be good at that. And now he owns two sports uh, two sports teams there in Charlotte, and you know it's it is not owning the sports team it is basically like it you should it's look like a, like a passive investor um, kind of you know, obviously you have the final say whether you have the final say with Stroud versus young I don't know but you know he he said he did and I made made more to it than that but you know theres but there has to be you know you have to realize even though you're successful at one part of your life you can't always and, and because of that you can buy an NFL team which are very expensive that doesn't mean your day to day, or your, or your even your weekly decisions on as a pro sports owner are going to be correct.
2: We're talking with AJ Perez, front office sports. Uh, check out his article about David Tepper, and uh, the the title says it all: David Tepper and the problem of the investor owner. And it, it's just, I read another article this week where there was a source of the writer that was saying a similar thing, like. And I think it's the way you you have described it as well, and some of your sources have. The investor is not process oriented, right? Like it's it's almost is it is this a good way to describe it that they, that the the investors might treat like every move like an investment? Okay, well scratch that one off the list, right? Like that one didn't work out. Let's go back to the well where football is a process, right? Of putting people together and kind of letting them grow together, I guess
0: yeah and david tepper you know the one people i didn't put this in the story but i was talking to agents that didn't really fit So like the one segment of the nfl like landscape that loves david tepper are the agents because yeah. he does I mean, look at the last two coaches he still owes many millions to both. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. true so and and he's going to probably gonna have to overpay for you know for the next head coach and whether it's going to be a head coach with personnel um, decision making, you know, we'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, but eventually, Dan Snyder had to do the same thing and overpaying for creation because no one wanted to come here to DC. Uh, and that's, and that's, I don't think you, I don't think the Panthers are there yet, but you know, that's what you, years of not making the playoffs and the, and if the fan base starts to get disengaged, either you're going to have to do things and then you're going to, will you, will you start making bigger swings or will he put someone in place where maybe the first couple years, Five five wins one year, seven years the next, maybe year three, you're you're in the playoff line. That's the way it usually goes. And there's been turnarounds I've during this time, even during the, the the time David Tepper's been owner. You know, teams have turned around in 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 that short amount of time. Oh, so you know, so so there 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 is hope. But the, but the, but you know, it's, I'm not saying it's make or break for the next owner because David Tepper's not going anywhere. He'll be another another 20, 30 years at least, probably. Um, you know, so you have to, you know, he. It's going to have to be a decision that him and the people around him, you know, make uh, as far as being a little more, uh, you know, picking the next, picking the next head coach, the next, maybe the next uh, front office executive, and 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 trusting them.
3: AJ, you had an interesting angle in, in the piece at a front office sports. You talked to Doctor Doug Gardner, who runs Think Sport Consulting, to kind of analyze from afar David Temper. What was Doug Gardner's assessment of what he sees from Deborah.
0: Yeah, I've known Doug for a long time. I didn't, I didn't even know he got into CEO coaching, executive coaching, so that was helpful. Mm. So it, 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 it is basically that is to just kind of delegate, you know, learn teaching these executives, coaching these executives how to delegate, how to delegate properly, how not to just go hands off and like just let the company slide and just be totally absent. You can't add that either. But it's it's just to, you know, kind of, you know, slow down, make sh- understand how, how your decisions, big decisions and small decisions like, affect the entire organization. The players, the coaches, the front office staff, the ticket employees, it, it, any, any major decision an owner makes affects the entire organization.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm reading one of the quotes in here uh, from Dr. Gardner where he says you can't treat players and others like they're a stock that you can buy and sell and make a profit off of it. Running a hedge fund is different because you're not actually making a long-term investment in human capital. And, that, and that's the yeah. thing is it, you have to – there's a process. There's human relationships that – whereas, you know, with his investments, it's just I try I strike here oh, you know, and if that doesn't work out, but there needs to be some continuity here, and yeah. I just can't believe it. By the way, I want everybody to know that AJ starts the article in Front Office Sports dis- <laughs> discussing the now infamous brass testicles, <laughs> which, by the way, AJ, we thought sounded so much more cool and badass before we saw how he performs as an owner. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not as cool yeah. and badass anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of my sources reminded me of that. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. I was like... I was like, okay, that's a good lead. And then I was like, let me see if my editors let me run that. So How many and, times... And, and, and- and to, my, and to my editor's credit they let it, they, they let it
2: stand oh I love it even how about that hat. there's even a description of them which I will not repeat here on the radio which really basically too vivid no, of a you, picture you gotta, son,
3: you, gotta, you gotta go to sports.com. <laughs> yeah you gotta
2: read it there frontofficeports.com AJ Perez it's just it's an interesting read as we try to figure out you know why Tepper is struggling if he just could concede that he's not a football expert like that's the thing that kills me AJ and I no, I'm good. We got to yeah. wrap this up and say bye to you. But, like, that's what kills me. And I know that you that – you, this is not new to ownership, right? Like, you keep bringing up Daniel Snyder. Why do these guys – they would never – like, Tepper would never take investment advice from a football coach or a football <laughs> executive. Like, why do these guys believe that – like, they're, we, we literally heard this week from a source that Tepper was taking play suggestions during the week to Frank Reich. Here, run this. Run oh, that. Like, wow. why, like, why would these guys believe they know oh. football? Like it's, it's just because, it, uh, because they're successful. That's, yeah. That 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 that's the simple answer. And Jimmy Haslam,
0: same kind of thing with the Browns. Yeah, he's had he's had the same issues, and you know he came from I guess he came from the from the gas station world. I guess uh, big big truck gas stations, oh, um, yeah. truck stops. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like that, and that's why the Rob Walton comparison. Rob Walton comes from the retail world, but you have to give the consumers a consistent experience to make them come back. So that's why I've been I'm very I've been following the Broncos for ever, ever since that he was just been a. Been over a year since he's been owner, a uh, year and a half now, and uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a the str- that's going to be one of the few exceptions. Because going forward, to, owe, to buy these teams in a worth seven eight billion dollars, they're probably going to be a, they're, they're probably going to come from the financial side.
2: Yeah, that's a real, real interesting, real interesting. Aj, piece. Uh, keep phone right on for
0: the
3: next thirty years. We'll be calling here. <laughs> around here. Uh,
2: check out Aj on Twitter at buy Aj Perez by Aj Perez. Thank you, man. We appreciate
1: it.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from six to ten. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio ninety two point seven WFNC. the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.
4: McDonald's is not new to chicken. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest
0: hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right
2: for you.
1: You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just in case you missed it earlier this week on The Wesson Walker Show.
4: with the Western Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Big, big, as DJ Khaled would say, weekend of college football. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 7045709610. And something I haven't said in a while. Hit the follow button on those socials. We got the content on there for you. We got the barks that's going ham right now. You can judge who had the best bark. I still crack up laughing at Fiddy's Bark from yesterday. So you got that on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram page or X. On the West and Walker X page. On the West and Walker, oh, sorry, I already said that. On West Bryan underscore 72 at Walker and at HTB underscore Josh on Instagram and X. Hit the follow button. We're getting closer and closer to 1,000 followers on our show page on X as well. All right. So if we reach
5: 1,000 followers today, we'll have a cat meow competition at the end.
4: I'm oh, ready. I like that. Nice I, little incentive. Fitty came into the fishbowl
5: today and said, first, not, this is what Fitty does, right? When he walks in, he doesn't really give you a salutation doesn't say what's up. No greeting of any kind. He just goes into whatever's on his mind. And he says, I just want you to know, I stayed up quite a while last night working on my meow. And then he did it for me. And I have to say, it's pretty good, Mm. but that's a tease. If we get to a 1,000 followers on the Wesson Walker page, specifically the show page on Twitter, then we'll have a meow contest. Okay, I like that. That's what we'll do. I like that incentive. Animal sounds all week long. Next week, too, find out what we sound like with a llama contest. Oh, a llama. I was going to say billy goat.
4: (laughs) We're going farm animals. You, me, same wavelength. Weird. All right, well, now uh, there are some animals playing this weekend with the mascots of the teams that are actually playing. So let's go to the campus. Coda! (laughs) That's a good one. That sounds like you stepped on the duck's foot and you made a quick noise just to let you know. All right, huge games. It is championship weekend. It is time to put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. I don't know if you guys catch that reference, but that is from one of the greatest football movies of all time the program if you two haven't seen it i suggest you do watch it but tonight things get kicked off oregon washington bo nix michael Penix, heisman las vegas the death star it's all there for us ladies and gentlemen so we'll get to these individual games in a minute But what is your perfect college football playoff scenario? What do you want to see? We'll go around the room. What do you want to see happen? Who are the four teams that you want to see when the smoke settles on Saturday night? So I I think the
5: first two things I'll say is Michigan, I want to see you in there. Um, I feel good about that. I don't care between the winner of this Washington-Oregon game. It does not matter to me. The winner of that game will get in, and I'm excited to see either one of these teams. I think maybe just because of the way Oregon's playing right now, I'd rather see the Ducks if I had to choose between the two. But Washington, I think it would be really impressive if they continue to battle through the gauntlet. They've gone through this season undefeated if they do it again then that's an amazing regular season, ending conference championship weekend, going into the playoff. I'd like to see what the Huskies can do. So the winner of this Pac-12 game, if I had to pick, I'd go Oregon, Michigan. Wes, I I know. I'm sorry, ACC. I apologize. I'm about to do something sacrilegious. I want to see Georgia and Alabama both in there. Mm. I do. I'm sorry. They play good football games. If you like college football and you like good college football games, that I want to see the good college football game. And if so, if we're expecting an awesome contest between these two this weekend, I don't care if we run it back in the college football playoff. This reminds me a lot of what was it? Was it '06 when it was Michigan, Ohio State? They play at the end of the season. It was one, two, and then eventually, I think it's Michigan who loses. They don't make it to the championship game. But it was all the debate. Hey, these are still the best two teams, and the champion. These are the best two teams in college football. We should still put them into the BCS national championship. If Alabama beats Georgia, are we saying that Georgia is the fifth best college football team, or worse? If they lose to Alabama, I'm not saying that. I'd love to see Georgia in. And if Alabama beats Georgia playing a different brand than what they were at the beginning of the season, then I want to see these two Giants in the top four. I know people get tired of it, but not me. And so if you were to force me to pick between the Pac-12 championship game, give me Georgia, give me
4: Alabama, give me Michigan, and I'll take the Ducks. Quiet! All right, I'm going to go with, uh, i like to see Georgia, of course, Michigan. Then I would go with, man, this is super difficult, but Normally, like I said, I'm normally down on Oregon. I'm kind of with you to where either way it goes, I'm good with it. But i just been watching Oregon this season, and I feel like it's very difficult to beat a good team twice, a really good team twice. And I think they came up just short the last time on the road in a very tough place to play in Seattle. I think Oregon gets it done tonight on the neutral field, so I'll throw Oregon on, in there. As for my fourth team, it's very difficult because I think Ohio State's really good, even though they lost to Michigan. But Kyle McCord, I'm not sure how much I trust him. Um... Then when you go look at Texas, they're kind of in the same boat as Florida State with the quarterback injury, so I'm not going to get to see a full-out Texas Longhorns hook them. And then Alabama with Jalen Um, That's another one, too, and I know I said last week that I didn't want to see Georgia and Alabama in this. I mean, if Florida State comes out and they're impressive in this game, and Tate Rodermaker comes out and plays really good football and they get him coached up, it's still hard for me to leave out an undefeated Florida State. Do I think they're one of the best four? No. Do I think they're probably going to get smashed by Georgia? Yes. But a 13-0 and ACC champion. And, yes, I love the ACC, but I'm going to put the nose in there if they get it done this weekend. Is there a difference between most deserving who you think should be in and what do you want to see? Well, because when I look at... all right, so Because I don't want to watch for To state. me, the loser of the Pac-12 game, you shouldn't get in. So that's why I stand there. Ohio State, as much as I like them, I don't see Kyle McCord getting in having the type of performance C.J. Stroud did against Georgia to where you look at it and say, okay, Ohio State deserved to be in there. I think if, if Ohio State got in there and played Georgia in the first round, they'd get the same thing done to them that I think would be done for the state. Same thing with Texas as well. And to me in the SEC championship game, I think George is going to win that game anyway. That's why I haven't put Bama, even if Bama does win. That presents the most chaotic scenario to me because how far do you drop Georgia? Then you got to elevate Alabama. Well, I think you got to leave one of the two out. And so if I had to, if Alabama gets in and they win, to me, God, it's so hard. I think I'll say that they deserve to get in if they win. Georgia with that win streak, you definitely want to go up that, but it's not a career achievement. So I would say Alabama deserves to get in if they win. But as far as how I think it will go in the scenario for me, I think it's going to be Florida State, and I think that's the scenario that it should be. So, if
5: Alabama gets in though, in that scenario we're talking about, you're not kicking Georgia out though, right? Yes. Oh, you are kicking
4: them out because it's not a career achievement. But I'm not. Oh, well, we
5: can just go off this season.
4: I'm not not saying lose you out. But no, okay. I mean, Alabama lost to Texas. Do I think Georgia would still be one of the best teams? Sure. But I said that Texas is in the same boat as Florida State, to where I'm not seeing a full Texas. I don't see Texas with Quinn or yours, and their backup quarterback is banged up too. So I'm I don't think that scenario will go well. I said Kyle McCord. I don't think shows improves in the playoffs as well. So I think Alabama, Georgia. No, I it like would it be, where if Georgia loses, they're out. It, it would be it would be Florida State and the loser of the Pac-12
5: championship game. Like I don't I know Texas deserves consideration because they beat Alabama, but that's what I really think it would come down to in the eyes of the committee. I just think if, if Georgia, I don't, like, tell me Stetson Bennett, you know, give Put me the... As far as what you want to see? No, I'm even saying even deserving, to be honest with you. This uh-huh. is where it coincides. This is the middle of my Venn diagram. You can give me the men in black neuralizer and let me forget everything that happened with Stetson Bennett and Jalen Carter and everybody before this year. Watching Georgia this season go 12-0 and then lose what we would think is a tightly contested game against Alabama, who's eighth in the country at this point. Mm-hmm. Georgia is not deserving, in my opinion, to fall all the way below a top-four spot. If they lose to Alabama, who we all know is balling right now with only one loss on their schedule, too, yeah, man, I'm
4: not kicking Georgia out. I mean, I think it's the—well, that back then, there was no playoff. I was talking about with Michigan-Ohio State when they played, and they were 1-2 in Ohio State— um, you know, got they went to the championship game over Michigan. So, and people wanted to see that matchup again. Fitty, what you got?
6: So you're asking for my my dream playoff scenario? Yes. My dream playoff scenario would be Michigan, Texas, and then
4: Oregon and Washington. Why That's, Texas? So Why what's Texas? the difference between Texas and Florida State in your opinion?
6: Um, well, I mean, a lot of it is the the quarterback play, and I don't think if you put Florida State in the Big 12, I don't think they go 12 and 0. I think you put Texas in the ACC. I think Texas is is undefeated, mm. um, and of course we don't know that because they're not. And I, I, I know Texas is 11 and one, but. Like does 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 Florida State go eleven and one with Texas a schedule? I don't think so. And you asked me for my dream scenario. Okay. My dream scenario is not having it is is very clearly not to have an
4: SEC team in there, <laughs> just
6: so I could hear Paul Feinbaum you go. whine like a toddler on SportsCenter Center on Sunday afternoon.
4: All right. So with that said, then let's go to. Our predictions for these games, I'll kick this thing off. Like I said, I like Oregon in this game. Uh, They barely lost to Washington the first time on the road, as I said, in a very tough place to play in Seattle. uh, I think it's very difficult to beat a really good team twice, especially on a neutral field. So I like Oregon tonight. I'll take Texas to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, I like Georgia to take care of business against Alabama and what I think will be a spectacular game. I think Michigan's going to smash Iowa like they've been doing to everybody in the uh, Big Ten outside of Ohio State. And then um, even though I said if they win, I don't think they're going to win. I think Louisville is going to beat Florida State on Saturday night. So we're going with the championships, right? Give me give me
5: Oregon to beat Washington. I, I just think oh, that's so tough. I, it's been highly impressive, though. They have dodged some really tough endings to some wins that the Huskies have had. But it's still been really impressive. I think it ends. I think Oregon ends up getting that victory. Going to Georgia-Alabama, I actually think Georgia wins. I think the Bulldogs end up taking care of business And Alabama, finds himself on the outside once again. I think Michigan wins against Iowa, too. That's the one I feel the best about. Um, And then Louisville, Florida State. I hear what you're saying, Wes. I think Florida State Louisville's had a couple of bad losses this year. Like They show that they're not going to... I I can't fully trust them, despite having a really good season. It's a monster game, clearly. Florida State, even with Rotomaker in there. I'm going to go Florida State. I feel decent about it. I, I love of what Jawar Jordan has done this season, Louisville ten wins. Hell yeah, it's a good year. I think Florida State's going to take care of business. All right, Fiddy, what you got?
6: All right, I think I I think the Ducks. Quack quack. I think they <laughs> win tonight in Las Vegas. Moving to tomorrow, I think Texas beats Oklahoma State. I think I think Georgia hears mm-hmm. all the talk about Alabama beating them and ending their streak and. If there's a guy that can beat Nick Saban with a, uh, with a long winning streak, I think it is this Georgia team. I think they beat Alabama in another classic. I think Michigan beats the crap out of Iowa. Iowa might not even score in that game, and I'm not even joking. Yeah, I don't think anybody disagrees with you. And know. then I'm, I'm with West. The Florida State story's been fun, and, and then being back relevant nationally has been good for the ACC and for college football. I think Louisville is more explosive. I think they win going away. That
5: last thing for me, I heard Smoke, I believe it was either last week or earlier this week. He thinks Oklahoma State might get that win against Texas. Maybe it was last week that he was saying that. Yeah, I don't know. Done,
6: you talk about a team that's sleptwalked ever since they won Bedlam. I mean, they were down 21-6 to six to BYU. Okay, he's, I think he was saying, saying Texas Tech last week versus
5: Texas. But Oklahoma State, I know you love your boy Mike Gundy. I do. That's why some, I threw I'm it man, out man. there. I'm
1: a man. I'm 40. Mm-hmm.
5: That's his animal call. I feel like he's an animal. And we've been going with quacks and barks and meows. I feel like that is the Mike Gundy mating call of the animal kingdom.
4: All right, and so uh, tying this up <laughs> as we get closer to the break, I think we can tie these together as far as who will have the championship moment and lock up the Heisman. Man, it's been a long, winding road for this Heisman Trophy. But a guy that, as I said, I was down on his team and I was down on him. But after watching him last weekend in some of these big games, I got to give credit where it's due tip my hat. I think it's going to be Bo Nick, uh leading the nation in completion percentage, 78.6% leading the nation in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, total yards per game, and TDR. I think Bo Nick tonight comes out and continues that and establishes himself as, establishes himself as the Heisman he- Guy. People are gearing
5: up for it. Bo Nix did an interview yesterday on ESPN. They're talking to him. Hey, are you getting ready? Oh, man, it's going to be great. Hopefully, we can get the job done this weekend. And there's Michael Penix just sitting right there, having had an incredible resume, undefeated season. That's going to be the game where I think the Heisman winner comes from. I don't think it's going to come from Georgia, clearly. Jalen Milrow, despite saying he should win the Heisman after the 4th and 30 conversion, Jalen Milrow's preseason struggles, I actually think that is still in the minds of the Heisman voters. I think you're going to see the winner come from that game. I'm with you on Bo Nix. I think he ends up getting it done. But it, it's funny how we're just looking over Michael Pennix and everybody is gearing up for the Oregon quarterback to end up winning this thing.
4: All right. I'm going to tell you
6: why in a minute. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think whoever wins tonight's game emerges as the Heisman Trophy winner. I picked Oregon, so I'd go Bo Nix. But the Heisman Trophy, if, it, if if it's being given out in it's full purpose, should be going to Baton Rouge and Jaden Daniels. I don't at, disagree with at, that. Yeah. According
4: to front page bets right now, the current Heisman odds, Bo Nicks at negative 185, Jaden Daniels at plus 190, Michael Penix Jr. at plus 2,000. So Michael Penix would have to come out and get the win and be super dominant to beat. Jaden Daniels at this point, I think.
5: Well, I I do think that, as Vegas will reflect, too. It it usually reflects, and it doesn't mean it's always the case. Vegas is a very, what is the storyline? What have you done for me lately? Even on a week-to-week basis. And I don't disagree at all. I think Jaden Daniels, if you gave it to him, more than deserving. But... We're going to see this game. It's going to be a monster storyline. We're going to be pointing to that one as a team that vaults their program into the college football playoff. And if Michael Penix or Bo Nix, they go for over 400 yards of offense, however you get it. That's going to be a really impressive performance, and we're just going to get further and further and further away from what Jaden Daniels did this year, and that's just hard to compete with. These games matter. That's why it's really hard when you don't get into the conference championship or the playoff. Lamar Jackson got it done, had a better year the following season, and we had fatigue from somebody that lost already. It's just so hard to do. I, I would be totally cool if Daniels gets it. I just think these games matter so much in the minds of the voters.
1: You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every week afternoon from noon to three sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next only on sports radio 92.7 WFNC the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan
4: McDonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio
1: play on sports radio 92.7 wfnc earlier this afternoon on the kyle bailey show
7: let's talk about championship weekend in college football with chip patterson of cbssports.com the cbs sports network and the cover three pod he's on twitter slash x at chip underscore patterson and he's back with us on the bodyworks plus guest hotline what's up brother how are you
8: i'm good is ppm a radio ratings
7: Term. That is exactly what it is, which is why that you're right. Yeah. That's why that came just popping out of my big old mouth. That's that's the radio term for the uh, the rating system that we use. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. show.
8: no. Hey, listen, I, I thought it was spot on because you both showed how little you know about fantasy football and how much you care about the show. Only <laughs> one little phrase.
7: It's great. Thanks. Somebody said KB plays parts per million fantasy leagues. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, all right, man. It's good to have you back. Um, like, real quick, Smoke. You just dropped some news on me. About NC State and Grayson McCall, right? What do we got going on over there? Yeah, so according to Own3Sports, NC State is set to make an in-home visit this weekend with Coastal Carolina transfer quarterback uh, Grayson McCall, according to reports. Chip, what do you think about that?
8: Uh, Get in line. I don't think NC State's going to be the best, and I think that that's a really smart discussion for NC State to have. Grayson McCall is going to be on his either fifth or sixth year of college football, Um, He dealt with some injury issues, obviously the change from Jamie Chadwell to Tim Beck. But, I mean, look, I've I've been saying this on the Cover 3 podcast. I've not talked with Robert and I or any members of the NC State coaching staff, but there's a kid from Raleigh who played down at South Florida at USF named Byron Brown, and he absolutely tore it up. True freshman from Raleigh, obviously a little bit overlooked, but he was incredibly prolific in a wide-open offense, and I think about, you know, you see the tweet from Savage Wolves NIL. You know, it sure seems like they feel comfortable about their place with Casey Concepcion. If you can lock down Jonathan Paylor, that's another dynamic receiver. I do think that whoever you get at that quarterback position, you want it to be someone that can uh, capitalize on what's looking like a pretty good set of weapons. So you know, NC State's not going to be the last for McCall. Uh, a lot of schools are going to be interested in him. But I also don't think it's McCall or bust when you think about NC State the quarterback position in 2024, which I do think it will come from the transfer portal.
7: Okay. Um, there's a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about with the portal and where guys are going, but I, I really want to focus on championship weekend and then we'll see how much time we have left because uh, some obviously huge games, interesting matchups. And uh, I want to start with the SEC title game tomorrow, four o'clock CBS, because this one is not only possibly a matchup of the two best teams in the country. Um, it also you know is going to have major implications, possibly even that we may not see a single SEC team playing for a national. Championship, but what do you think happens in Atlanta?
8: Oh, I mean, I, I I think it's either Georgia wins handily or Alabama wins. If that thing is close, then the same voodoo that allowed Nick Saban to reverse a decade plus of nightmares at Jordan Hare Stadium with a fourth and a mile on a play called Gravedigger. I mean, like don't like that's it. if you're Georgia do not let that game be close late because Jalen Milrow and this Alabama team is extremely comfortable playing in close games where the outcome is not decided until the very end. So, like, uh, my official pick on the Cover 3 podcast is the over. I think that there's just too much skill um, on both sides to not think that we see some explosive plays. I think Georgia's offense is very, very good. And I think that maybe Georgia's defense though strong is certainly not up to championship level. But my read on who wins is it's either Georgia by like 10 or if it's close late, I, I could see Alabama led by Jalen Milrow pulling that out.
7: All right, Bama wins. Is there an SEC team in the final four?
8: Oh, yeah, there might be two. Um, listen, I've, I've run a lot of different scenarios, and this is like the, the final read is that the combination – of Alabama over Georgia, which isn't cra- crazy, spread inside of a touchdown and combination and Florida State over Louisville means hearts will be broken. Ooh. Okay. That's all it's going to take. Alabama over Georgia, then Florida State over Louisville. And here's what's going to be left out. Uh, a potential, you know, conference champion who feels deserving, like maybe a Texas, maybe an Oregon or a twelve and one, two-time reigning champion Georgia that is looking around like you got to be kidding me. We've beaten everyone the last two years. One bad day in Atlanta and we're knocked out of the national championship hunt. There is one scenario, yes, that because of the Texas problem that exists for Alabama, that the head-to-head of Texas ahead of Alabama, Alabama ahead of Texas. If all of a sudden you're looking at you know a thirteen and zero Michigan, a thirteen and zero Florida State, a thirteen and zero Washington and maybe a 12-1 and Texas, well, then Texas had Alabama, Alabama of Georgia. That's Alabama at five, Georgia at six. I'm telling you, like, all it's going to take is for Alabama to beat Georgia, then Florida State to beat Louisville, and if that happens, the committee will have to make a decision that will leave at least one, if not two, teams that will feel as though they're deserving on the outside looking in.
7: Chip Patterson CBS Sports.com he's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So then who? Florida State or Louisville? Who do you like? And especially given now that we don't even know if Tate Rodemaker is going to play, it could be third-string quarterback Brock Lynn.
8: I think Florida State wins. I, agree. I I yeah, I I think that it has been an awesome season for Louisville, but they, you know, they they had their first real taste of playing with all the money on the table. And they let Kentucky put 38 on them, you know? Uh, the Virginia marched it down. Uh, this defense that looked so good at the beginning of the year um, has kind of gotten a little loose coming down the stretch. And no matter who's at quarterback, there's a ton of skill, talent on this Florida State offense. And I think Mike Norvell – I mean, think about Florida State has been really good in the second half and really good in the fourth quarter all year long. I just think that reflects on Mike Norvell as a coach and what he's able to get a good look at you, put in some adjustments, and then be able to cre- create the explosive plays that you need late. Um, I I think that that's going to be the way it goes down in Charlotte.
7: What does Michigan and Iowa look like, and will it be an eyesore? you got the 50th ranked offense versus the what, literal worst offense in America. Like What, what is, is it as bad as we're anticipating offensively?
8: It's a great test of how much motivation Michigan has to make a statement with two things that come to mind. Number one, Jim Harbaugh's return to the sideline. And then number two, Blake Corum, just a couple touchdowns away from becoming the all-time career rushing touchdowns leader in Michigan history. So if Michigan's running it up, but they're doing it by handing it off to Blake Corum, I don't think they're trying to go for style points. I think they're just trying to go for program records. But those are the kind of motivations we're talking about because – they might go up fourteen nothing and just sit on it, you know. Just, I mean, we are talking about the team that ran the ball thirty times in a row at Penn State. You know, they are very much equipped to squeeze the life out of games. And so, I think that Florida State, Louisville, as we're making our decision Saturday night in the eight p.m. Eastern time window, I think that's going to be your main screen, and you're only going to be bouncing back if you, if you like me, are sweating. Wait for it, Kyle. Iowa team total under six and a half. Let's go.
7: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, real quick. I don't think we have a ton of Pac-12 fans in the audience, but this is a doozy of a football game. Undefeated Washington, 11-1 Oregon. Um, I, I just, I'm leaning Washington here, and I think a lot of people are, but there's some big Dan Lanning believers in this one. What, what are we thinking here?
8: He is one of them, but more specifically, I just think they've gone different ways since they met earlier this season. Uh, Washington has played a tougher schedule and played more closer games as a result of that tough schedule. But I just think the quality is a little bit different. You know, Dylan Johnson, their running back, who's been real good recently, he was in a boot after the Apple Cup. A lot of just sort of, you know, Knicks in and, and, and soccer, they call them knocks, right? You know, like just a lot of small injuries for this Washington team. Oregon seems like the healthier team, playing with better vibes. Washington struggled with Washington State. Oregon absolutely blitzed Oregon State. I just think that they've been going in two different directions, and I think that shows up on the field where the Huskies, yes, 13-0, and 0, are kind of limping to the finish line, and in Oregon, I mean, it's just been death metal. So I, I do think that Oregon wins, but I think that some of that is the circumstance of health and sort of the general trajectories of the season since the
7: last time they met uh chip app state and troy for the sunbelt crown the fact that app state is in this game is remarkable not because we don't expect good things from app state but because weeks and weeks ago it did feel like it was the beginning of the end for sean clark but i mean that that win over jmu was obviously enormous and they've got a chance to hoist the conference championship trophy tomorrow against a very good troy team troy's favored by five and a half though who do we like here
8: yeah, Sunbelt just is where, like, you still have good coaches, right? Um, I heard Sean Clark on uh, our friends, you know, Joe Ovius, Joe Giglio, the Ovius and Giglio podcast, mm-hmm. OG. He was talking about how after the Coastal game, they had, like, a real, you know, put everything on the table, like, let's just sit down here and, and let's air it all out. And the phrase he used, that I, I really don't think I'm messing this up, but I am paraphrasing, was, we, had, we decided to start playing the guys that were showing up on film from practice and not playing some of the guys that were playing at the start of the year, which meant that, you know, forget your talent rating, forget your preseason projection. We're just going to go with who has given us the effort Monday through Friday. You're the ones that get to play Saturday. And that was the story he told to talk about a defensive renaissance that I think is the B story of, obviously, Aguilar's emergence at quarterback. But that defense, the run defense, has gotten so much better over the last four, five, six games that that is a big key. I mean, you saw it certainly on display against James Madison in a major way, but you know that's going to be a real, real beast because Troy's got a running back named Kamani Vidal, who is one of, I think, 12 or 13 guys in the country who have 1,300 rushing yards on the season. If that app defense that has gotten a lot better and really improved throughout the year, if they show up in a big way, then they could be hanging in this. But if Troy is able to get a lead, control the game with their defense and the ground game, then it's going to be a little bit more difficult. You're going to be looking for you know just trying to create some craziness hit on a couple of lucky explosive plays. So it's it's a real great test of something that I'm not going to say was fake. Because you did it to James Madison. So you've got me. I'm a believer. But that group that has gotten better, the defense, needs to show up in a big way for App to be
7: able to win. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, ever since that loss to, old, uh, for, to ODU, they've been a different club. Five straight wins, a chance for a title tomorrow. Chip, it's always a pleasure, brother. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right. sound good. Y'all be well. You've tuned to Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio
2: 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.